Welcome back to Babylon 5 versus DS9, the galaxy's greatest podcast about the two great 90s space station shows. I'm Bob from Cascadia. I got Matt from the Southland on the line. How you doing today, Matt? Doing pretty well. This episode, uh, we're covering a B5 episode and a DS9 episode that I really feel like would have fit in well with like a Valentine's themed episode at this point. Now, we are recording this in early November, uh, but I do not think we'll hit that mark We'll probably won't be releasing this until December or January, so so unfortunate. Do you want to do you want to take a three month hiatus? <laughs> and put this out in uh, put this out in middle February where it belongs. Nah, that's okay. We can, we can wait on that. Although I did read that this episode Soulmates was meant to be JMS's version of a Christmas episode. Don't ask me how. I mean, <laughs> it's a kind of family reunion episode. Yeah, I could see that. All right, hit us with the a plot, Bob. Yeah, yeah. So we're talking today about episode eight of season two of Babylon Five Soulmates, uh, which aired on the fourteenth of December ninety four. I guess hence the Christmas theme. I think it was also basically the mid season finale. I think several weeks for Babylon Five to get back on the air, and then this was in comparison to episode ten of DS Nine season three Fascination, which aired on the twenty eighth of November ninety four, and I think was also basically the mid season finale for DS Nine that year. In the A plot, we've got Malari's three wives, I believe, who were previously described as pestilence, famine, and death, show up at the Babylon 5 station after being summoned by Malari. Uh, their names are Timoth, Dagir, and Mariel. That is correct. They show up, and I had to figure out which was which. I think that Dagir is pestilence. I believe Timov is famine, and Mariel is death. Yeah, that, that actually, I was kind of wondering how you were going to parse that, but I think that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I, I can see all three. Guess who war is, Bob? Uh, I, I don't know, that, that uh, Dabo girl he's still hung up on? War is Londo, Bob. War is Londo. Wah, wah, wah. All right, man, what's going on in that B-plot? Well, in the B-plot, we have another Winter's excursion, I guess. Winter's ex-husband, Matt Stoner who's blackmailed his way out of Psychor, visits the station. So we find out that Winters was previously married. Uh, it was an arranged marriage. Didn't work out so well, but Matt Stoner blackmailed his way out of having to stay with Winters. Yeah, yeah. Can you remember what the Buddhist word for a group of souls that keep getting reincarnated together is? Not a clue. There's a really good uh, Kim Stanley Robinson book that plays with that idea. It's the concept that I believe it's Delenn proposes to uh, Garibaldi that the reason that he hates Stoner so much is that he, Winters, and Stoner have been reincarnated again over and over. Oh, yeah, I could say that's, that's interesting. I just hated the name Matt Stoner, and it's, it's my name, but with the word Stoner after it. I mean, it's an accurate description from my experience. No, I've never done. No, no, not not even close. <laughs> I can't slander you about your non-existent drug habits. Yeah, I was about to say, Bob. It makes no sense. No sense at all. Yeah, Matt Stoner is the worst. It, yeah, he true. really is. Yeah, I think I watched this episode like a long time ago. Like I even texted you the name. I'm like, what is this? Who who came up with this crap? Well, Matt, did you like the C-plot better than the B-plot? Is that oh, yeah. what I'm hearing? Oh, yeah. The C-plot was fantastic, Bob. Real cutting-edge stuff. Delenn has never washed her new hair until Ivanova shows her how. 
yeah, yeah, that's uh, they were really going for it in uh, in this episode with the C plot. It's uh, extraordinary stuff. It's been six months, Bob. Six months, I think, since the uh, season premiere. She has not washed her hair in all that time. She went on a date with Sheridan. Her hair looked fine there. Sometimes it looks even better when it's uh, not been washed, man. It brings out a certain sort of sheen. Yeah, it's kind of strange. Like I, I don't, I don't think this is. Uh, she's having a bad hair day. I mean, of, of all the reasons to uh, object to the C plot, Matt, I'm deeply amused that you chose the continuity route to object to the C plot. <laughs> the continuity is the issue. That that's my problem. I mean, like she also hasn't really taken a bath either, correctly uh, according to the the script. So, well, it sounds like. The Minbari technique for cleaning oneself probably would work for humans. So I, I just wanted to confirm, was the audio way off on this one for you? No, Bob. I don't know what it is about HBO Max, but sometimes their shows just, the audio doesn't sync. But yeah. then when you go back to it later, it will be synced. Don't know okay. why. Because I had the exact same issue with another episode we'll be uh, covering a few weeks from now. And... And then I went back to it. I was like, oh, it works now. It's something to do with their service. Okay. I, I was more inclined to blame uh, Comcast, the, the demon that provides my internet. But, okay. Well, I mean, it, could, it, it probably is a combination of the two. Yes. The, the speed of the streaming and then the actual service itself not being able to accommodate the your, your, slow, your slow internet. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, it was weird because, like, DS, I watched DS9 and Young Justice around the same time and they didn't really have any problems. It was only with a good yeah. old Babylon 5. Extremely important question here, Bob. This this episode really just, this is it. MFK, Malari's wives, go. Well, uh, just to clarify for the uh, listeners who are not up on the hip lingo of the kids, uh, MFK is Mary fuck, kill. <laughs> and I, you know, I respect all three of Londo's wives. I think they're all three really hot in their own way. Uh, but I wound up going uh, on the order of Degir, Mariel, and Timov. So you'd marry Degir. See, I went the other way around. I, I, Mariel's the obvious choice for the middle, for the F. But I went Timov, marry, Degir, kill. Because of just what Timov did in the episode, you know you're going to be taken care of. Yeah, but I... I don't know. I can see a good argument for uh, killing Marielle because she's the most dangerous one. But uh, at the same time, I, I think there's something uh, deeply attractive about Degir's scheming that I want to be in a long-term partnership with. <laughs> oh, Bob, self-destruction. I, I don't think of it as self-destruction. I just think of it more as like a self-impairment. Well, when you need that blood transfusion, you're not going to get it from Degir. You're going to get it from Timov. <laughs> By the way, Timov spelled backwards, Bob, is vomit. Did you catch on to that? I did not. I did not. Yeah. I was thinking it was like an alienized version of Timon of Athens, one of the weaker Shakespeare plays. But yes, I, you are correct. It is a portmanteau for vomit. Yes, it's odd. Very odd. Yeah, she did have uh, one of my, I believe this was Timov. Uh, the line was, the secret of our marriage's success is its lack of communication. Londo, you're jeopardizing all of that. True words have never been spoken. <laughs> and there there you go accusing me of being self-destructive <laughs> all right we'll come we'll come back uh, to the wives a little bit in a uh, thirst watch this will be officially the uh, thirstiest thirst watch i think we've ever profiled here on babylon 5 vds9 definitely yeah yeah 
I, uh, I was really glad to see Carol Strucken, who's the Dutch actor who played the giant in Twin Peaks and Luxana's butler in Star Trek The Next Generation, uh, show up in this Babylon 5 episode. He's a traitor who's uh, skeptical, rightly, of Stoner's uh, bullshit. He's also Lurch in the 90s Adams Family movies. Oh, okay, okay. I was going to ask, was he actually Lurch, or were you just making a, uh, a label there? Okay. No, I was labeling the giant man, no. I'm just saying, he was definitely Lurch in the 90, early 90s movies. It was him. And then, I, I really appreciated all the good gags they got out of Malari's party. You've got uh, Jakar intentionally insulting him by keeping his boots on. You've got Lanier giving him the deck of marked cards, and then you've got the assassination gift that uh, Marielle gives him. It was there was so many good gags in the uh, in the Londo party. A lot of good gags, and uh, let me ask you this: Do you think Jakar got with uh, that one wife? Oh yeah, yeah, I do, I do. That uh, that whole scene between Jakar and Marielle had a had a very postcoital quality to me. Gotcha. Yeah, that was up for debate on some of. Uh... Some things I had been reading. I was like, yeah, pretty sure that happened. I mean, I feel like the only reason that Jakar wouldn't get with her is that he's afraid of Londo's revenge, but I don't really think he's that afraid of Londo's revenge in general, so I don't see why he wouldn't. It's not like Londo will just, you know, try to destroy his home world or anything. I mean, I think Londo is going to do that regardless of whether he knows that he's been cuckolded he's, by Jakar. Jakar's like, yeah, you got all my people, but I got your third wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can't imagine in a more sitcom version of Babylon 5, Jakar yelling, but you're divorced. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be pretty good. <laughs> so we didn't talk much more about the Talia Winters plot. Anything we need to add here other than other than we need to know that there are arranged marriages within Psychor. I thought we already knew that. I mean, we kind of did, but they're also, they want to make more Psychor babies. Yeah. That are more like higher levels of. Yeah. Yeah. They're trying, they're trying to do a forced breeding program for higher high levels. And then we also kind of learned that in addition to like the telekinesis that Winters and Jason Ironheart have, that you know another kind of range of powers is this empath set of powers that matt stoner has developed matt stoner has those empath powers he's more like a a troy i guess if you had to compare him to a character in star trek well i mean they used empath in a little bit different way than i traditionally understand it because i i've always understood empath just means like the character is supposed to have a very acute sense of people's emotions but here it's more like he's able to warp their emotions. Yeah, that is true. They would like change it. Yeah, see, like the Star Trek version of Empath could be like a really good con game for a lot of people. Like, kind of, I mean, kind of like our psychics here on on Earth. You know, they're they're not real, they're, <laughs> but they act like they are. <laughs> There's a great show called Lodge Forty Nine that mm -hmm. my boy Noah and I just finished watching, and in season two. James Urbaniak, the voice of Rusty Venture, shows up as a, a psychic. And one of the main characters asks Kim uh, in a candid moment if he's really a psychic. And his reply is, well, I make money as a psychic, so. <laughs> that's about it. I mean, really, like, there's no, you're just really good at reading people. I mean, that's what it boils down to. Y using your, uh, using language to kind of get out what you need from them. Cold reading. Yeah, yeah. You know. 
Kind of like cold selling, one of the hardest things to do. Yeah, true. Uh, other than the other than the Delin plot, I really don't know what else we can talk about. There's not I much mean, more to talk so about. There's so much with more to say about the Delin plot, and I yeah. don't want to say any of it. Yeah, especially at the end, Bob. Well, how about that? The uh, whole like. Oh boy, that was yeah. Apparently now she she has human reproductive organs and cramps. I guess and it's just whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know what there is to say about that. I don't, I don't either. I mean, I'm like it was just so random. I mean, I, I, and I feel like. Well, I feel like we're, we're falling into a very kind of male thing of it's just like two bros being confronted uh, <laughs> by the menstrual cycle and just being like, oh boy, tugging on the collar like a cartoon character. Two guys just talking about PMS. No biggie. Just <laughs> it's our new podcast. Yeah, it, it, it was it was odd. An odd choice on their part. I mean, you don't really talk about that on Star Trek. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, I just never, I don't think that's ever been mentioned yeah, ever. I mean, in a way, it's, like, good. It's a part of the human experience. It should, you know, it shouldn't be shameful. It should be, you know, able to be discussed. But on the other hand, it like, clearly the show is just using it as a very cheap joke. So, you know, I don't really think it gets any, like, quote-unquote progressive points for bringing it up. Yeah, I feel like Delenn is, like, Borat at this point. Yeah, yeah, this 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 and some of the other episodes like really soured me on Delenn's transformation. I really disliked it. I, I've kind of come around because there's something that happens later in the show that there's a lot of symmetry with it, and I kind of admire the symmetry. But ugh, boy, I you know I would have preferred um, to maybe have been spared these Delenn learns her human body uh, subplots. I mean, if you were going to go through the trouble of getting in the chrysalis and everything, wouldn't you have, like, read up on this stuff before, you know, just going full force into it? Yeah, although now it's getting vague for me because it's been weeks, but, like, how much was it implied that Delenn knew what kind of transformation she was going to undergo oh. in the chrysalis? So she just had no clue, really. Okay. I mean, presumably other Min Minbari do go into the chrysalis on, you know, not, not all the time, but on a somewhat regular basis. And presumably they don't come out as human. Oh, so could you go in the chrysalis and like come out as a Narn Minbari thing? I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's a kind of holdover from the original concept was that uh, Delenn, I can't, I'm, now I can't remember if she was supposed to start as a male and then... Right. Go to the crystals and emerge a female. I, guess, I think that would be what they were. I think that's what they originally intended. It makes a little more sense to envision the chrysalis as a part of Minbari culture if that's its function. It's a way of transitioning. Whereas it's kind of unclear what the other sorts of transitions a Minbari might undergo are. And so, yeah, because presumably uh, not a lot of Minbari have or have transitioned into being humans. So. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't really know. I, I think that's kind of a problem for the mythos left over from the original conception of the chrysalis, if that makes sense. That does make sense, yeah. I'm just waiting for the half Centauri, half Mimbari. That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's not going hap to happen, is it, Bob? I'm not going to see it, right? No, you're definitely not going to see that. I, I do wonder if the novel set on Minbar, uh, To Dream in the City of Sorrows, goes into that at all. I'm not really big on the Minbari, so I'm not going to read that novel, even though I really like uh, the episode that the author of that novel wrote. But uh, yeah, I wonder I wonder if that maybe goes into more detail about the, the role of the chrysalis in Minbari culture. All right, so we've pretty much covered this B5 episode, Soulmates Ad Nauseum. Let's move on to DS9. 
really in a sense just one huge a plot here with multiple different strands so we have Kira's priest boyfriend we have O'Brien's wife and daughter and we have Luxana Troy all returning to the station for the Bajoran Gratitude Festival and uh, almost everyone is horny uh, because of the reunions but no one gets laid and then everyone gets weirdly horny for inappropriate partners later in the episode it's fantastic writing folks Ah, I thought my description was very good. Thank you, Matt. No, 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 not you. I'm mean, uh, <laughs> talking about the episode itself. The episode itself. Your your summary is very well done. I just um, but Aww, thank the you. the writing itself. No, don't start like don't start like don't let this episode influence you and think I'm, on, I'm like trying to hit on you or something. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, extremely important question, Bob. MFK, DS9 crew, go. I would have to go, although, oh man, there's so many different combinations here because it's such a big thing, but I think I'd settle with, I wrote O'Brien, but now that I think about it, O'Brien's too needy and Cisco's a great cook. So I'm going to say, uh, marry Cisco, uh, fuck Dax, kill Rom. Okay. I'm going to go with Mary Odo. <laughs> Ooh. I, I don't really know why. He'd probably just leave you alone. Hey, man, the secret to your marriage success is your lack of communication. And then for F, I'd go with Dax, because that's that's just the obvious choice. For Kill? I mean, Kira's pretty pretty hot, too, man. And I don't know. She's... Uh, the, I, think the, I think the nose thing just isn't for me. It's a little, like... Fair, fair. It's ribbed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now, Kill... I mean, Kiko, Kiko would be up there. I can't stand her. So I got to say, like, I, I've internalized hating Kiko from, like, Star Trek memes. But at least upon rewatching DS9 so far, she's not that bad. Hey, she, like, she... I wouldn't I wouldn't put her in like a, yeah, she's near the bottom in terms of characters. But that's just because the char- the show is so stacked with good characters. She makes O'Brien look like a cook. I mean, O'Brien is a cook. He likes being a cook. Like, yeah, I'm gonna put Kiko. Yeah, I just, I, I, I don't know. Like I said, maybe, maybe it gets worse in later DS9, but she's really, she's really not that bad, and she's also like, it, it's shocking how little she's in the show, actually. Well, I mean, we didn't watch any of it. Like, we missed, we skipped a bunch of episodes, so I don't know if she was in those or not. Yeah, but, I mean, remember how in the episodes we were watching, it was always like, oh, Miss O'Brien is, you know, on, like, a three-week starship trip during the school year, stuff like that. Yeah. And now she's, you know, doing the long-term botany expedition to Bajor. Yeah, and O'Brien had to sub for her. I mean, come on, Bob. That's, like, that. that's that's just, that's worth killing. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, i got to be yeah. chief engineer and sub for this elementary school of ten kids. That is the that is about the worst thing you could make your significant other do as a sub for you as a teacher. Yeah. Oh man, I would say uh, to transition that uh, causing a child to vomit is a really hell of a good entrance. So all hell, Luxana. Great to see her back yeah. on the station. Poor Molly O'Brien. Her just yeah getting sick around Luxana. But well, it's because Luxana fed her all those. Uh, Treats, right? Oh, those treats. Yes, those treats. Although maybe it's also could be maybe that's also kind of like a side effect of her malfunctioning telepathy because of the fever. It was good to see Luxana again, I guess, but she didn't play yeah. as big a role this time around. Now, now she's the threat to the station. Yeah, 
it's also funny too like both these like babylon 5 episode and this episode both deal with vomit in some way so like that connection there oh what what was the vomit in the babylon 5 episode tomorrow bob tomorrow spelled backwards as well. oh, oh, oh yeah 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 oh, okay sorry I'd, I'd already forgotten that in one ear out the other yeah exactly <laughs> how you think i feel <laughs> it was a good joke man it was good the uh, I will uh, also uh, praise Luxana's uh, line uh, that awful Dominion that was uh, that that really uh, cracked me up. <laughs> also, uh, given what happens uh, in the much much later in the show, kind of interesting foreshadowing. Yeah, uh, in the novel, well, it's not just in the novels, but the Dominions invade Betazoid is a throwaway line later in the show, and then apparently they wrote like a short story where like. Lexana helps thwart the invasion of Betazoid, but uh, her butler, Mr. Holm, as played by the giant from uh, the Babylon 5 episode, uh, gets killed by the Dominion. Man, there's like a lot of connections to this episode, to these two episodes. It's crazy. Lurch was in, Lurch is technically like part of both in a way, if you think about it. Yeah, yeah. It's... Yeah, it's kind of interesting that they never got, they, they get him, I think he's in almost every TNG episode with Lexana, I think. It's been a while, but I, I don't think he's not in either of the two Luxana episodes on DS9. So there's, you know, there's, this is like a festival of some sorts. Okay. Yeah. What'd you, what'd you think of the festival? It was just weird. Like cure uh, uh, burning stuff in the middle of the, uh, what was that room? It wasn't even the, it wasn't even the promenade. It was, it had a special was it, name. Was it the temple? No, it had like a. It, it had, looked like the temple. I don't know what it was, but it had a weird name, and I and I did. I meant to write it down. I forgot what it was, but anyway, I, I didn't catch that. So yeah, I, yeah, yeah. But there were a lot I, of like weird things going on. Like you had Quark had a good idea with the yeah, earrings. Yeah, yeah. He's got he's got the Bajoran earring on, and he's hawking obviously forged uh, <laughs> commemorative merchandise yeah. uh, with like you know messages from recently dead um, Bajoran <laughs> religious leaders. Oh, that was. Yeah, that was great stuff. Brilliant. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly what Quark would do. Yeah, I, I mostly wanted to criticize. There was a juggler who only had two balls, and I thought he kind of sucked. Yeah, he was pretty bad. Yeah. Would you think? Would you think it would be fair to describe if the Soulmates was the Christmas episode of Babylon Five? Would it be fair to describe uh, Fascination as the the horny Thanksgiving episode of DS Nine? Yeah, I could see that. Because it, it was basically like Thanksgiving, but with a carnival. Yeah. That's, that should be how Thanksgiving actually is. They should just have carnivals instead of getting together with family. Uh, my friends who did this are no longer in Seattle, so I, uh, I will have my first uh, uh, Thanksgiving without them this year, which is depressing. But they do a really good job of gamifying uh, Thanksgiving. There's lots of contest. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good. It's good. It, it brings a real competitive spirit to the occasion. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's like some family but mostly friends, which makes it a kind of more interesting dynamic. You got somewhere to go on Thanksgiving, Bob, up in Seattle? Uh, I'll probably go. Uh, I'll probably go chill with uh, my boys, uh, Alan and Nigel, if they'll have me. I assume good. they'll have me. They usually That's do. So, if you want me to, I can like Solomon Grundy you some uh, turkey, bring it down to the sewer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I no longer live in a basement. I used to live in a basement like Solomon Grundy, but now I now I uh, live uh, on the second floor on a hill, so I'm relatively high up. Nice, nice. All right, well. I'll... I'll still bring you some turkey, Bob, Solomon Grundy style. I, I appreciate that. That's uh, you know, that that's definitely not my least favorite Batman comic or anything. Yeah, in case you're not, in case you're curious what I'm even talking about, it, it the long Halloween, it's a Batman graphic novel. Read it if you haven't. 
No, no, just look at the pictures. The writing's the writing's real bad. Well, I mean, the pictures you, are real pretty. If though. you if you like the Godfather, you'll... <laughs> you you may recognize many lines yeah. <laughs> from the Godfather. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's just move into the big piece of this thirst watch. Which yeah, is we've been delaying thirst watch, but here yeah. comes the thirstiest thirst watch. Yeah, in this episode, at the very in, in the Babylon Five episode, it's always good to see you know Garibaldi gets told off by both halves of a divorced couple. So yeah, yeah that 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 personally spoke to my kink, which is uh, people t- telling Garibaldi to get lost. That was great. Okay. Very thirsty there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and. It's a it's a little creepy but pretty funny when um, Marielle and Dagir are about to have a three way with uh, Londo and he stops and he's like this isn't right Timov should be here too. Yep, early nineties. Yes, yes. Probably wouldn't get away with that now. Then we uh, we did have the uh, great moment of uh, Jakar and Marielle and what I'm convinced was a uh, a moment of a post coital discussion. Yes. Although they already had their clothes back on, mostly in Jakar's case, because man, we saw a lot of Jakar's chest this episode. Yeah, they've got that weird thing with their chest. I don't know how to explain it without showing you a picture. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll just we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, and then we have uh, Casanova, Jake Cisco, getting broken up with by his Dabo girl girlfriend, which uh, you know was kind of. Kind of funny. We get to see uh, we get to see Cisco's barely suppressed glee at the fact that his son is no longer dating a Dabo girl. Yeah, we saw that coming a long time ago. Yep, yep. And then, what'd you think of the uh, Cisco Dax scenes this episode? Yeah, I, it was a weird pairing. I don't know how I felt about it. Honestly, is it, it seemed almost like maybe it should happen, but then you think back, like Cisco knew Curzon. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how that works. Like, I, I just don't know how I would feel about that if it were, if I were in Cisco's shoes, and I was actually. It just seems kind of wrong, both because Cisco's kind of, you know, kind of outranks her, but also because of the prior relationship with Curzon. Although, yeah, the rank thing doesn't. I don't care about, but the but the Curzon thing is just like. Eh. Well, I, I don't. I, in some ways, though, I think the rank thing there is the only thing that matters because. Like, if you think about, like, uh, Julian and Ezri, the fact that Julian was into Jadzia isn't perceived as, like, it's not, I don't think it's usually perceived that it's creepy that he's into Ezri. So, I I don't know. In that sense, I don't know if it really should matter, because it is, in some sense, Jadzia is still his old friend, and then in some sense, she's not. So, yeah, I don't know. How'd you feel about Odo and uh, Loxana getting to get, kind of getting together more so? Yeah, yeah, that episodes. was cute. That was cute. They yeah. uh, they they danced or at least kind of like you know moved their arms together. That was uh, that was cute. I guess <laughs> I did I did want to say that I really did enjoy like the physical comedy of like you can't see Dex because Avery Brooks is tall enough, but he's like blocking um, Kira's creepy priest boyfriend from coming after her. But while he's like blocking it, you can see like Dax's arms like stroking Cisco's shoulders and like taunting Brile. Yeah, that was really good physical comedy. Then you've got Quark kind of lusting after uh, Kiko, correct? Yeah, yeah. You get the start of that. You get the start of that. He starts rubbing his ears on her. Then Kira and Julian Bashir, which they were married, I think. Not 
or at least dating by that point, I think. The actors, yeah, actor, I, actor. I think that's, I, I'm not sure if they were dating or married by that point or not, but yeah, it certainly does seem like a reference to that, right? Yeah, and they, and they went like all out too, like with the kissing and stuff. So it's like, okay, yeah, they, I think they're pretty sure they know they're already together at this point. <laughs> when it's, it's, it's also funny because it's like way early in the show, Bashir had been into Major Kira in the sense that Bashir was into everyone and she had shot that down really quick. Right. A whole lot of thirst. Not much more to it, though. <laughs> yeah, it was It was basically just a big orgy at Cisco's Gratitude Festival party. Although none of the none of the orgies were really consummated. They kind of made that clear, which, you know, well, one can see why they did make that clear. But yeah, it, it was really fun. It was really fun. Um, I did really enjoy I that there was a whole hell of a lot of queer subtext in this one, too. Like, early on, you have um, Bashir uh, complaining to O'Brien that he's a poor substitute for your wife. <laughs> then you have, like, Odo instructing his Starfleet deputy uh, very precisely on how he needs to properly harass Quark. And, you know, he needs to show up there, like, four times a day. And then there was Burial getting really jealous of all the time Dax was spending with Kira. So, you know... All the thirst we we see, like at the party, is heterosexual, but just this uh, this episode really gave us a lot of queer subtext. That was pretty fun. Yeah, I kind of was hoping Garrick would get involved somehow with this at some point, but it never happened. Yeah, that really is a huge lost opportunity, isn't it? Yeah, I, Garrick coming on to uh, Bashir would have been awesome. I don't know, man. I mean, the early '90s were television is better than contemporary television in an awful lot of ways, but I mean. The fact that they couldn't go there with stuff like that uh, is, is definitely like a big hang up about early 90s t TV. All right, so we're going to leave Thirst Watch for now. Cause, and there's nothing else to I mean, really aren't talk we about. we always in Thirst Watch, Matt? Yeah. There's, there's, there's no other watches going on this week. I mean, there's nothing else. It was all there was just... some econ talk on Soulmates, but it wasn't really interesting or yeah, instructive. Yeah. yeah. All right, so let's just talk character of the week. Yeah, who's your character of the week, Matt? My character of the week is Tamav, Bob. It's Tamav. Nice, nice. I'm really glad you went with Tamav. I was very torn between her and Dagir and Marielle to an extent too, but I, I went with Dagir myself because, yeah, just something about a, a woman who will wrap you around her finger like that. Yeah. The wives were great in this episode. Yeah, they, they, re they really were uh, so good, so good. Yeah. And I, even though like everything else about this week's episode of Babylon 5 was awful, the Wando's wives like made it the episode of the week for me easily. Me as well. I mean, I, I honestly, the, the DS nine episode was really a throwaway. <laughs> I feel like we were still it was, having, it was a really fun throwaway. Yeah. It was, it was very much a throwaway, but it was a really fun throwaway. Yeah, I feel like if we weren't doing every single episode now, this probably would have been one we would skip, but it, it was, Oh no, we would, we would never skip a Luxana episode, Matt. <laughs> never skip a Luxana episode. Never skip a Ferengi episode. Yeah, those are the rules. Like, why uh, why would you skip quality like that? Uh, I don't know. Now, a Bajoran-focused episode, we might skip. But uh, Luxana or the Ferengi, hell no. Plenty of those. Jeez, there's plenty of those Bajoran-centered episodes. Ugh. All right, so next week, we have a very important episode, I believe, for Babylon 5. It is The Coming of Shadows. Yes, yes, which is the eponymous episode for the season. Sounds like it's very important. So, all right. Yeah, it does and indeed. We, we, we all had a good time uh, watching Wando's Three Lives, but now it's time to get serious.
Very serious. All right, and now in DS9, we are moving on to the episode Past Tense, which is a two-part episode. So are we doing both oh. episodes together, or are oh, we just man. doing the first? I got it. I got to watch three episodes this week. <laughs> oh, so we're Rough. we're doing both next week, right? We're doing both for the, for the yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. That's how, because of the disparity and the number of Babylon Five and DS Nine episodes, we always do DS Nine uh, two parters in a single go. Oh, this is the one where they go back in time. Yeah, this is the one where they go to San Francisco right now. Right. Okay. And in in a weird way, it's very optimistic because it predicts a it predicts a revolution because of how bad uh, uh, the uh, homelessness and jobless crisis in American cities uh, have gotten. Uh, somehow, I uh, I don't think we're going to get that revolution. It's depressing. So Cisco, Bashir, and Dax go back to the year twenty twenty four. So yep. look yep. for sounds like we have some really good episodes next week. So looking forward to it. I don't know if past tense is a good episode, but it's certainly an interesting episode. All right, well, this has been Babylon 5 versus DS9, the galaxy's greatest podcast about the two great 90s space station shows. I am Bob from Cascadia. That's Matt from the Southland. We'll see you next time, everybody. Thanks for listening.